We all know that video is a powerful way to communicate the value of what we do as designers and creatives. But if you're like most business owners, the very idea of creating these videos can seem overwhelming. Well, my girl, Ariane Belazaire, is masterful at creating engaging and effective videos for her business, and she's created a course where she teaches you step-by-step -step how to do it too. In her course, Video Like a Pro, you'll learn how to create five different styles of video, and for each style, you'll learn how to build it, how to shoot it, how to edit it, and how to promote it. I can tell you from my own personal experience that her course is so good. And she's offering a special promo code for my listeners. So go to www.videolikeaprocourse.com and enter the promo code Gale to get $50 off. And it's spelled capital G, capital A, capital I, capital L. Welcome to episode 36. I am your host, Gail M. Davis, and this is Design Perspectives. Welcome to the Design Perspectives podcast, and I am your host, Gail M. Davis. Being an interior designer is more than creating beautiful spaces. It's about articulating a vision and more importantly, being a valuable resource to clients. Join me as I gather insights from fellow architects, people of the trade, interior designers, and most importantly, the clients who value us. Drum roll, please. Today's guest is so special. Wait for it. He is the editor-in-chief of El Decor Magazine. Asad Sarket. I am super duper excited to have this opportunity to sit down with him and interview him. He is absolutely amazing. He is fun, great sense of humor, of course, intelligent, because you don't get to be editor in chief of El Decor if you're not. Um, and just you know, super humble and down to earth. And that's amazing because you know what this industry can be. Um, super, super excited to hear his vision, to hear his thoughts and his expectations and what he brings to the table, which is super important. Um, and let's not forget, this is the first person of color to head up a magazine, and especially at El Decor, which I'm super excited about. So one more thing before we go to hear this lovely interview with Assad, please rate my podcast if you listen to it. And I know you do, because a lot of you DM me and you text me and you love to tell me how much you love it. But I need you to review it wherever you listen to your podcast, because that's super important to help people to find me. Without further ado, here you go, Asad Zerket. Hey Asad, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm super excited to interview you. Hi Gail, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to join you. I've been hearing great things about you and I've been listening to episodes of the podcast and it's been great. So I'm looking forward to talking. <laughs> 
Yay, thank you. So, you know, I won't take much of your time because, you know, I'm all about 20 minutes here. Um, <laughs> people are busy and especially you are. So how excited are you for this role? For this position? On a scale of one to 10, I'm off the chart. It really <laughs> has been, I mean, truly, I mean, it's just 2020 has been an unexpected year in so many ways. Mm -hmm. We're hopping on a day when there's more news than ever. Um, but I... I'm just excited to have this platform in this moment when we're talking about home, when we have these new understandings and appreciations for home, um, and when there's so much positive energy around what shelter publications and design publications can do. So that's been really great. Nice. I'm, I, you know, I said it to you offline, but I was super excited to see you get this position and just excited for what you can bring to the table just with your background as a person of color, as a male person of color in this industry, which, you know, the voice is not always heard or it's seldomly heard, I should say. Um, how are you preparing for your position and, and what is it that you want to bring to the table or, or for this position and just for the magazine in general? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate those words and that support and I feel it I feel it already and you know even though we've only been speaking for a little bit mm -hmm. um, and you know we've been prepping for the conversation for a little bit I'm preparing by listening and I think that that is a really sorely underused skill right now just skill of listening True. <laughs> listening True. closely yeah <laughs> being an attentive listener it's um it has been so important to me as I come into this role to really listen to every member of the staff, to really listen to designers and architects about the magazines that they engage with most regularly and how they have read and engaged with El Core. Um, I'm listening to people who are art directors, people who are floral arrangers, really anyone in a creative space whose opinion I feel will help enrich how I consider what this magazine can be. Um, and that to me has been the number one kind of tool for me that I use as I prepare to step into more fully because you know it's been this is the end of my third week so it hasn't been very long right um, but I've had three weeks to really meet with everybody on staff and meet with um, our business partners on the ad side and just do as much listening and uh, learning as I can do I feel like that has been you know my, my way into all of this now have people been really receptive to you or have they shared any concerns like let's keep it 100 <laughs> No. I mean, look, people have been really receptive. Mm -hmm. People have been very warm, very welcoming, certainly the staff, which I've so appreciated. You know, they've been so enthusiastically embracing of me and of a moment to think about how to make the magazine even stronger because Elder Corps had a long history of being a great magazine that brings the best design to its audiences, you know, digitally and obviously in the print magazine. Mm -hmm. If there are concerns from people in the industry, I have not heard them. And I think that's just about decorum. I think that's just about people yes. um, really also uh, wanting to see what I do, see how I move through this position and, and through our industry with this title. Um, but I've not heard them. And I, you know, what I have heard so much more loudly from people is just an excitement to work with me to see what my perspective is. Yes. And, you know, for, certainly for anyone I'm, I'm going to be working with to see how we can work together on something that will be great. Yay, yay, good. Um, so, you know, in, in, in terms of keeping it 100, like, 
people have at least been keeping it at 99. <laughs> we'll get to 100 as we hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get to 100 as we build and as I build relationships rooted in trust with people that I'm working with for the first time. But I have so appreciated everyone's positivity that has been a really great gift. Yeah, it, it was overwhelming that day, the announcement. I just knew like Black Twitter was blowing up <laughs> with like, oh my God, did you see? You know, and I was like, what, what? And, you know, then another girlfriend chimed in. I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So yes, I'm still fangirling, sorry people um <laughs> that's very very generous i really appreciate it I, I have to say there's been such a positive response and such an embrace of me i mean i i haven't worked i haven't been lucky enough to work with everyone who sent me a, a really kind of encouraging note when the news came out and i really appreciate that that energy is there before i even get to actually you know work with people yeah that's cool that's cool what is your biggest learning curve or what do you feel will be be your biggest learning curve with being in your position editor-in-chief i love saying that <laughs> yeah i think the biggest learning curve is finding a way to grow the magazine's audience reach new readers excite ones that have been loyal to the magazine for years and years um, and do it in ways that feel authentic to the other core brand, but also expansive. You know, we want to um, be the magazine that is engaging with design and where design meets the culture at large. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we're going to have to be telling stories that people are, you know, maybe have never heard of the designers talking about or the cultural phenomena we're exploring. Um, and that's, there's going to be a period of having to, uh, retrain the audience to expect something different you know they, not everything is going away uh, you know it's very early days so we've not even decided what exactly is going to stay and in what form but there's so much good in the magazine already i want to grow uh, from the foundation that we have um, but the biggest learning curve is how to do that in ways that you know don't alienate readers and and also alienate uh, people, if we have to, you know, like right. if there is something that is really important and must be discussed, then, you know, of course that might ruffle feathers, but what things that are worth ruffling feathers? Think through and balancing that is the biggest learning curve for me. Because you're right, this is the first time I've been an editor in chief. And I've managed teams, I've managed senior reporters and editors in the past. Mm -hmm. I've worked in print, I've worked in digital. Um, but the learning curve for me is, learning how to be um, really clear about what needs to happen and do it in ways that feel collaborative and open-armed, um, but also decide, you know, when things need to get shaken up. Perfect. Yeah, that's, I love that. Well, you know, whenever you step into a new position and you're the new person in charge, there always has to be a shakeup from what the norm was and what people are used to. And you do have to bring your voice to that to show people who you are and how you operate. Um, what do you want to contribute to the magazine? Like what, I mean, I know there's a learning curve, but what is your, what do you want your contribution to be or what do you want your biggest contribution to be? If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I really hope that my biggest and, and working toward my biggest contribution being platforming a broader variety of voices in our industries. 
So when I say that, I mean in the design industry and the architecture industry. And, you know, there has been such a groundswell of interest in what black designers are up to these days since uh, the protests after mm-hmm. the, the killing of George Floyd began at the end of May. Mm-hmm. Um, but these conversations about diversity and inclusion and representation in design are not new. Yeah. And, you know, to be now in this position to be able to use an incredible platform to carry out these conversations that are not new and that are overdue is incredibly exciting to me. And that is my number one priority because not just because I'm a black editor in chief and I have a personal stake in those narratives being told, Mm -hmm. but also because it makes a richer magazine to have a, a wider variety of stories be told about the design industry. That's what makes a magazine feel relevant, feel vital, feel exciting, feel fun, is feeling like you are being let in on a secret, feeling like you're being let in on a discovery. And I don't think you can do that if you ignore, you know, if you ignore voices in the industry wholesale, whether that uh, shunting to the side of those voices is uh, conscious or unconscious. You know, I, I think it, it doesn't serve any reader, any member of the audience to not be exposed to other people and other design. No, I love it. No, and it's true. I mean, we we live in a very diverse world. So I'm just always mm-hmm. still surprised, like when you look in, you know, in certain categories that it's still very much not diversified. And mm-hmm. I feel like sad for them because there's so much that we all can contribute and learn from one another to make our lives that much more richer, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and other, you know, other segments of the magazine industry and of the media world have really held themselves to account or been held to account at a higher, you know, to a greater extent. So I think of fashion or I think of food. Um, and because fashion and food have resonated so deeply with people in a personal way uh, and the connections between those topics and kind of broader cultural conversations have been made uh, by outlets that cover fashion and food. I feel like those industries have made greater leaps toward representation that feels more in keeping with what the world actually looks like. And for whatever reason, design magazines just haven't gotten there. You know, we just, and I, I implicate myself in this also. I've been a design editor for a decade mm-hmm. and I have worked at, you know, I've worked at AD, I've worked at Curbs, I've worked at Architectural Record Magazine. So I've been in rooms, not in positions of incredible power or privilege in the past, Mm -hmm. but I've been in the room. And I think we all as editors and journalists have a responsibility in this industry too, to not just let fashion and food and other segments of of cultural, um, the other magazines that cover other cultural um, outlets to let, you know, we have a responsibility to engage with what the world looks like, what conversations are happening. We can't let it be just, you know, a few segments of media or of the magazine world. Yes, or just on Black History Month. Um. Exactly. The shortest <laughs> month of the year is yes. not time. It really is not. The shortest month of the year, you know, every four years we get 29 days. That's not enough time. Yes. It really is not. Oh, 
my god, I always tease my friends. I'm like, it's Black History Month. I'm gonna be black, be black, 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 black. <laughs> and you know, you you've you've had other guests on on the show mm -hmm. uh, talk about those issues and to really explore what it means to weave coverage of black designers and designers of color uh, more broadly into all of the coverage of a magazine, into everything that a magazine is doing. And that to me is way more interesting and way more important and critical than thinking about, you know, female designers in March or thinking about black designers in February. Yeah. That's an incredibly limiting way to think about the contribution of a huge swath of practitioners and in, in design industries. Yeah. I, I just, it just always cracks me up because it's like that one, like you said, the 28 days in every four years is 29 that we have to like perform and get out there. Something that I found very interesting when all of this, you know, I call it black is the new black when George, you know, from George Floyd. And then now all of a sudden it's like, these are the top 50 black designers you should follow. These are the 20 black top designers you should follow. And I was like, how about these are designers you should know because lead with that first and then you know people will find out that yes we're people of color but it's it's uh even though it's our skin color it's a big part of us it's also not the only part of who we are and i right. don't want people to be like oh gail the black designer i'd rather just them say oh that's gail davis an interior designer you know and, and not have to have all these labels before you feel comfortable and be like oh i can i can put her on this side and insert her here because she fills that box. Um, what does your support system look like? Not just professionally, but like, you know, mentally as well with all of this. Because I know there's a lot going on. Yes, there is. <laughs> to say the least. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah, no, I mean, my support system, and I have to say, this period of quarantine, certainly at the beginning of quarantine in March, now, my family, my mom and her older sister set up a family WhatsApp group chat. Aww. And you know, I talk to my family a lot, and my family right now is outside of D.C. in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was already talking to them a bunch, but the stakes, I think, were raised for all of us when we realized that this was an unprecedented moment when your connection to friends and family felt so much more, even more important than they already did. Mm -hmm. And so... My family has been a huge source of strength and humor and joy and all the rest in this time. My partner, I live with my partner in Brooklyn, I'm right by Prospect Park, and he's been incredibly extraordinary through all of this, um, you know, through the protests, through the helicopter circling over all wow. of our Brooklyn neighborhoods uh -huh. in, in June. Um, and then professionally, I mean, I have been in very close touch with folks that I've worked with over the years and have become friends, like close actual personal friends with a lot of people that I've worked with in design media. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, having those people in your life who get it, who both get it being the industry and it being this sociocultural context against which we all operate as journalists mm -hmm. and editors is so incredibly important and it's been such a support for me. And in a, you know, in a volatile moment, and not just in a volatile moment, but in a moment where those relationships take on a new form and, and deepen and strengthen because we're all dealing with the chaos of 2020. Oh, yeah. And um, so that that is what my support network looked like. And I have to say, I'm 
so grateful that it has led me professionally to this moment in my career, but also just as a person, I feel like I have a greater ability to empathize. I am like just so enriched by the variety of people that aren't in my life and, and helping kind of lift me up. So yeah. if they're listening, thank you. I know <laughs> I see people all the time over text and on WhatsApp and Instagram DM and wherever else, but it really is so crucially important. I, I really appreciate it. No, oh, that, that means a lot. What would you like your legacy to be for this, not just professionally, but personally? Yeah. I mean, there are two things. Well, I'll start with professionally. Um, and there are two things, and I had a conversation with a designer recently, and I said this to him as well. I want to make a magazine that feels like it is reflective of our world, both our design world and our world at large. What that means is really broad, you know, the conversations that you can have uh, and should have at a time when uh, the safety and security of our homes is not guaranteed for everyone in this country and, and worldwide. You know, there are so many conversations in there. So I want to make a magazine that really um, is celebratory and beautiful, but also engages the culture. Um, and that's really important to me. But the other thing, and maybe more important, it depends on the day really, is <laughs> making a beautiful magazine, making a magazine that is aspirational, that is cool, that is elegant, that feels fresh. Because look, I'm the first Black editor-in-chief of the U.S. shelter publication, Huge. and I want to make the best design magazine possible, not just, you know, not in, in, in ways that uh, are about being a credit to the race because right. I really do not buy into that nonsense. Right. But really really about showing that it can be done and that we should extend every opportunity to qualified people who do not look like, who have not been in the same room as other people who've held similar positions. And um, so that's really, really important to me as well. And you know, I have great partners at Aldecor and at Hearst who seem um, just as enthusiastic as I have been through this whole thing to really make that happen. And that is amazing and rare. Yeah. Um, and personally, I want to do it all remaining as humble as possible, remaining as generous as possible. Um, you know, I have had a lot more success in my career and in my personal life by being kind, by being open-minded, mm -hmm. by being gentle, mm -hmm. you know, being assertive and decisive also. And anyone who's worked for me and worked with me knows that I'm decisive and assertive when I need to be. Mm -hmm. But I want to do all of those things in ways that are healthy and productive. And, you know, media, the, the magazine industry, because of the kind of halo effect of a lot of cultural phenomena like the Devil Wears Prada or any other thing, the magazine industry has this intensity about it from the outside because think, oh, well, you know, creative editors or good editors or intelligent editors have a bit of uh, yeah. a maverick <laughs> attitude about their way of working. Yes. It doesn't have to be that way, though. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. That has worked for other people. Has it worked for their staff? You know, I, 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 I cannot say. Right. But I imagine that it is actually a much more enjoyable experience and to work in a way Agree. that recognizes that you can hire people who are great and intelligent. You let them run free with the job. You work collaboratively. You know, you 
you do all the things that a person who is dedicated to um, really working alongside people and really working in positive ways, you, you do all of those things. And that to me personally is like a kind of dual professional personal goal. Um, so we'll see. You know, there's a lot to do in there, but I'm excited about it. Yay. And then my last question for you, my friend, is what is the future of Black design? I mean, I know that's heavy, but what do you see it as? The future of Black design is you not having to ask me about Black design. Ah. Because it's just design. That's the future. (laughs) We're working right now with members of the Black Artists and Designers Guild, um, and by we, I mean Elle Decor, and our sibling publication at the Hearst Luxury and Design Club. And I am a member. I'm a proud I'm member. on this project, <laughs> the Obsidian Project, which mm-hmm. is a virtual concept house mm-hmm. with the Black Artists and Designers Guild. And I'm so excited about that project because it really is going to open a lot of eyes to conversations that as Black folks in this country, we already have about you know multi-generational living, yes. about the, the ways that we use the kitchen as a center of family activity, you know, yes. all of these conversations are so exciting to me. And I'm glad that we're having having them in this, um, on, you know, on that stage with this virtual concept house. No, I, um, um, yeah. and I'm also excited for, sorry. It's okay. No, no, no. Say, I'm, you know, I'm also excited for where this can help us go in our conversations about what black design is in the future. As I've envisioned it for myself, for our industry, we won't, ask ourselves questions. We won't need to ask ourselves questions about quote-unquote Black design because the contributions of Black designers, of Black architects, will be so interwoven in our conversations about design and architecture overall that it will feel, frankly, silly to be even asking ourselves. Unfortunately, your question is incredibly legitimate in 2020 when the conversations are still incredibly necessary. But, you know, as I see it, as I hope for it, as I work toward it, Black design will be uh, not a February thing. It'll be just part of our design conversation. And that to me is really exciting because it feels like a beginning of that and a continuation of work that people have been doing for a long time. Well, this has been absolutely powerful and amazing. And I want to thank you so much for this opportunity and thank Thank you thank you gail i really appreciate the invitation i was excited to to get on the phone oh my god i was like he said yes let's go um (laughs) i was like run with it girl run um (laughs) before we go tell the lovely people where they can find you follow you blah 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 yes (laughs) so you can obviously find me at lcore.com and in the pages of lcore um, we are working now, as we record this, we're working on the December issue. I'm very excited for you know, that to continue. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Asad Sirkad. Um, that's Asad Sirkad, no spaces, no underscores, nothing. Um, I don't tweet a ton, but I retweet a ton. So if you, <laughs> like me, are a Twitter magpie and you like collecting great tweets, you'll love my Twitter Yes, feed. yes. And then, of course, I'm also quite active on Instagram at AS4D. So, you know, ASAD was taken, but I, I did get this uh, variation. So you can find me on Instagram at AS4D. And, you know, I'll see you all on the internet. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, my love, and have an awesome day. Thank you so much, Gail. I really appreciate it. And you too.
Hey there, I need your help. If you love the show, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you are an Android or Windows user. Your feedback helps me to create shows that will provide lots of value. And in the meantime, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Gail Davis Design. Thanks so much, beautiful people.